0: Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Today is a special treat because one of our Radiant overseers, Pastor Richard Crisco is with us. This man is a pastor's pastor. He's been one of Aaron's mentors for two decades, and I have seen the wisdom of Pastor Richard influence my husband, our marriage, and Radiant Church from its very beginning. Pastor Richard is one of those people who you talk to and then you leave inspired to know the Lord more. He's one of the most genuine, loving, and God-honoring people Aaron and I have ever had the pleasure of knowing. His heart beats for God and his love for people flows out of that. He's spoken here multiple times and always brings an amazing word of encouragement. So it is such an honor to have him with us today. Radiant Church at every location, can we honor Pastor Richard by standing up and welcoming him to the stage. We love you, Pastor Richard. Good morning, Radiant! Woohoo! It's so great to be with my Radiant family at all locations. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. I always love uh, to be here at Radiant. I've been here every year, I think ever since the conception of the church. And I join you every Monday on my day off. I watch Radiant, I pray for your pastor every day. Some of you may not know, but I was your pastor's youth pastor. Yeah. Try to pastor that kid, but it, I mean he was like nailing jello to the wall. I mean <laughs> and uh but you know what I pray for your pastor all the time. I'm so proud of Pastor Aaron. I listen to him every Monday. He's one of my favorite preachers. I'm serious. He's become one of my I he gets me so tickled. I told him I said, Aaron, you're the only preacher I know who laughs at his own jokes. <laughs> Seriously, he, he you know he just cuts a it's funny whether you, I don't care what you say. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah. And, and come on, you can give God better praise than that. Come on. You can give God better praise than that. It's so funny he's awesome. But we, we love pastor Aaron. I pray for him. And like I said, every day, I especially pray for Katie <laughs> every day. I can't imagine living with pastor Aaron. Dear God, dear Lord Jesus. But are you ready to hear the word of the Lord this morning? Huh? In all locations, we are a note-taking church. So, in your worship guide, if you'll pull that out, there's notes inside there. And this morning, I want to deliver a message. I believe the Holy Spirit put on my heart, simply entitled "God is Good." Can you say "Amen"? amen. Oh, come on! You can give God better praise than that. <laughs> God is good all the time, all the time. God. And that's easy to say in church, right? Especially in an amazing church like Radiant. Um, it's easy to say, but you know what? When you're out there just trying to survive life sometimes, uh, how many of you realize that can get very difficult, right? And, and you know, uh, I want to start by directing your attention to what Paul said to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians. He said this. He said, "'Less Satan should get an advantage of us, we should not be ignorant of his devices.'" We should know the tactics of the enemy. And can I tell you, in your notes, you can jot it down, I believe that Satan, one of his number one things, is to always question God's goodness. He is always questioning if God is good. If you go back all the way to the very beginning of the Bible, we see it starts off with Adam and Eve in the garden. God is, they have perfect fellowship with him, Uh, Throughout the entire day, they're fellowshipping with God. They're in a perfect environment, the garden. And yet in that environment, Satan shows up in chapter 3, and he begins having a conversation with Eve, and he plants this thought in her head that God isn't really as good as you think he is. Because the truth of the matter is, that tree that he keeps telling you not to eat from, he knows that when you eat of it, you're going to become like him. And he questioned her, put a question in her mind of, is God really good or not? And can I tell you that every one of us have to deal with that question. The enemy is constantly putting in our head, God really isn't as good as you think he is. And we get so confused. It kind of reminds me of a, a time whenever I was about eight or nine years old. My mom was making chocolate fudge one day. And I come in, you know, and I saw the container Hershey's cocoa on the counter. And I immediately, in my eight and nine-year-old mind, somewhere around there, I, I thought it was the same stuff that you put in your milk to make chocolate milk, you know? And so I began to ask mom for some of this. And she said, oh, baby, you don't want any of that. I go, oh, mama, I love chocolate. You know, I should be a woman. I love chocolate. Mama, I want some cocoa. And and she, no, baby, that's bitter. You don't want that. And I kept begging her and begging her. And and my deception kept growing and growing in my mind to where I reconformed her from a loving mom to a monster that did not want me to have anything good. And I remember throwing up a fit mama, you never want me to have anything that's good. (laughs) She goes, okay, baby. She didn't hand me a teaspoon. She handed me the tablespoon. She said, honey, you just help yourself. And so I was in heaven for a split second. I did. All the ladies in this room knows what was about to happen. I I, I dipped that big old thing of tablespoon in there, and I jammed it in my mouth. And the next thing I knew, I had Cocoa Puff coming out of my nose. Just... (laughs) And the truth of the matter is, the enemy will do the same thing with us. When we think, if we're not careful, we can think that God is withholding from us, that God doesn't want us to have anything that is good. And in fact, all of us have had probably numerous times in a conversation when God comes up, a question that goes kind of like this. If God is so good, why are so many bad things happening, right? If God is so good, why are so many bad things happening? And that's a deep theological discussion, but let me just say it this way. I I, I See, God is in control. Excuse me, God is in charge, but he's not in control. And every parent understands that statement. You're in charge of your home, but trust me, you're definitely not in control, right? In fact, I like to put it this way. God is not a control freak. Instead, he empowers man with choice. And because we all have choices, which, by the way, the gift of choice is the greatest gift that someone can give to you. Every day, we make multiple choices. Today, you made great choice to just come to the house of God and worship God this morning. You made a great choice. But we make multiple choices And the same thing that will make one man a drunk can actually make another man a saint. It's not what happens to you, it's what happens in you. It's how you respond to that. But because God has given us choice, you're going to have things like rape and murder, and you're going to have, you know, theft and, and chaos. Because why? Because God has given to you and to me that choice. So but, but I just want to direct your attention to Psalms 38, where it says this, taste. Say taste. taste. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. See, God is so good, it's impossible for me to describe to you his goodness. I could take all week And just talk about the goodness of the Lord for an entire week and would not even scratch the surface of how good God is. See, some things you can't explain, they have to be experienced. Like I I, I like to put it this way. God's goodness must be experienced because it is impossible to explain. See, the goodness of God is something that you have to experience for yourself. Now, I have good news for you. Already today, in earlier services, we've had many who came to experience the goodness of the Lord. And today, you'll have an opportunity, if you've never tasted and seen that God is good, you'll have an opportunity today to taste of him, and I promise you, he is good. Can I have a good hearty amen on that right here? God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. See, and um, Nahum put it this way. Nahum said this, he said, the Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. In fact, numerous times in the Bible, when you see the phrase, God is good, it is in the same verse as times of trouble or times of suffering, times of difficulty. In other words, see, we associate, well, if God's good, then only good things are going to happen to me. But that's not necessarily true. In fact, I like to put it this way. God's goodness does not eliminate hard times. God's goodness is available during hard times. In fact, that's when you find out that he's really good. See, whenever you walk with God, it doesn't mean that everything's gonna go great in your life. It just means that he's always going to be there for you to rely on during those difficult times. Somebody say amen in the room. Come on. He's, he's there with you all the time. And, and listen, and God is not just good to people who go to church. God is not just good to people who confess Christ as their Savior. God is good to everybody. If you are breathing this morning, God has been good to you, especially in America are you are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean God has been good to you. most of us have had a meal this morning. most of us you know have have good clothes this morning. We drove here in our vehicle. Do you realize there are children who have not eaten yet today? God is good to you. I love what the Bible says. He says that it says the Lord is gracious he 's compassionate he 's slow to anger. Aren't you glad God is slow to anger? I mean, friend, if it wasn't for God being slow to anger, we'd all be crispy critters, right? I mean, come on. God is slow to anger. He's rich in love. And the Lord is good to, say it, all. He has compassion on all that he has made. God is good. Paul said it this way when he was writing to the church at Rome. He said, and we know that In all things. See that? In all things, God works. Listen, I don't care what you're going through today. God is working in it. You could be going through a divorce. I'm telling you, if you let God, he will work in it. Maybe you haven't talked to a child. Maybe this Thursday, your relative is so angry at you, they're not going to come over for Thanksgiving. And you're upset about it. Maybe you're, you haven't talked to your, your kids, haven't talked to you in years, or you're, you haven't talked to your parents, or your, parent, your dad has left you and hadn't talked to you and, and for years. And it's like, God, where are you in all this? I'm telling you, in all things, God works. God is at work even when you are not aware of it. And He's at work, what? He's at work for the good. Of all who love him and are called according to his purpose. His purpose is to take everything that is that comes in your life and to work it together in such a way that it's for your good, that you become conformed into the image of his son Jesus. Hello. Hello. Listen, God is not interested in your happiness, he's interested in your holiness. But happiness comes through the pathway of holiness. Because whenever we live holy and we, we don't allow sin to govern our life and ruin our life, sin ruins our life, there's a wage for sin. It's called death. It, it destroys our life. But whenever we deal and we, we, we forsake those ways of sin and live right into God, guess what? It leads us into a path of true holiness and happiness. The, the abundant life is found through the path of righteousness, but see, we, we, get this, we get this idea that you know, this, that if we just praise God, we can manipulate him into doing what we want. We, we think, that if, you know, well, if I just pray and praise God and, and I can do all the right things and say all the right things, I can get God to do what I want. Uh, I, I wish I had a genie bottle. If I had a genie bottle, I could really describe this for you. You got a genie bottle? You got to be kidding me. You keep in your back pocket just in case, just in case Jesus doesn't yeah. work or what? Yeah, well. <laughs> Radiant, you're amazing. The things that people bring to church at Radiant. That that's just that just is dumbfounding. But but listen, a lot of people they, they treat Jesus like a genie in a bottle. They put him up on the shelf. And they say, "Let me just do my own thing." And they go and they do their own thing. They make their own decisions. They and, and they get themselves in trouble. Hello. They, and, and they and, and then whenever whenever they, they've had it all, they come out. Oh, Jesus! They take Jesus off the shelf. Jesus. Jesus, 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 help me, Jesus! And Jesus, in His mercy and His love, bails them out. Right. And then they go, "Thank you for doing that, Jesus." And then they go and do. Their own thing again. Hello, I'm talking truth. We do our own thing again and then we get in trouble. In other words, they see him as their savior, but they don't serve him as their Lord. Where's the glory? And and, you know, the only time that somebody comes bail you to talk to you is for you to bail them out. Have have you had a friend like that? And, and, and we, we, think that, we think that if we can say the right formula or add the term in Jesus' name at the end of the prayer, yeah, right, and, and that we can manipulate God. Listen, you, do not, you never manipulate God, right? But, but Jesus, I, l- I like to put it this way, in your notes, Jesus is not a genie in the bottle that gives you what you want. He's a good God who gives you what you need. And again, every parent understands that. Listen, parents don't give their children everything that they want. It's not good for them, right? We give our children those things that we feel like are healthy and good for them. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that Jesus did not give me everything I asked for. Hello, I thought I knew which woman I wanted to marry. Jesus, thank you for not giving me what I thought I wanted. Hello. You don't know what you need. He, in fact, Jesus said it this way. He said, before you even ask, the Father knows what you have need of before you even ask. See? And we need to understand that Jesus is not, you know, just a, a Santa Claus in the sky who's going to give us everything that we want, that we manipulate, or, you know, we're going to praise him and it's going to go all well. No, 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 no. Jesus gives us What we need. Somebody say amen. Amen. See, but until you are fully persuaded that God is good, you'll never be able to fully trust him. As long as there's a question mark on whether or not God really is for you, not against you, that he's always got your best interest in mind, you're never gonna be able to fully trust him. Now I think I think wives probably understand this more than anybody else. You really don't know if you trust somebody. Until you disagree with them. Right? I mean, come on, ladies. You you know, every once in a while your husband will make this bonehead decision. You're going, Dear God, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard in my life. Right? You really don't know. Listen, you really don't know if you trust God until something comes that doesn't make sense to you. It's the reason why the Bible says lean not to your own understanding, but in All of your ways, acknowledge him, right? So so that many times, can I tell you, there's many things that has happened in my life, especially at the time, it did not make sense. But that's when I prove my trust in him. I, I, I prove my trust in him whenever it doesn't make sense. And you're never, until you truly believe God is good, you're never gonna be able to fully trust him. And until you believe that God is good, you're never gonna be able to always rejoice in him right? And and, and the Bible says very clearly, Paul said to the church at Thessalonica, he said, rejoice evermore, not just on the good days, hello, but on the character building days too. (laughs) I don't call them bad days. I call them character building days. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Not for everything, but in it. In it, I can give that thanks in it because I still believe that he is in control. See, our problem, see, rejoicing though requires, if you're going to rejoice evermore, it requires that you believe that his goodness is more real than your present situation or circumstance. See, listen, things are constantly changing, but God is always the same. Okay, you're gonna have good days. If you're going through a great season right now, awesome, milk it because it's gonna pass. Right? I mean, come on, we've had enough life under our belt. We understand, right? You can't have good days unless you have something called bad days, right? So if you're in a good season, yay, rejoice, milk it all you can. If you're in a bad season, rejoice don't stay stuck get through it if you're going through hell don't stop keep moving this too shall pass there are better days ahead right see we got it but but you can't rejoice in him in those difficult times until you are fully convinced that he is fully good that and that he is more real than your own present situation here's our problem We live in a culture, in a society that not only allows us to have opinions, we actually are encouraged to have opinions. I mean, come on, every time you turn around, there's another poll, right? I mean, you got polls constantly, people surveying you, you know, what's better, dogs or cats? Obviously dogs, right? I mean, (laughs) obvious. It's a stupid poll. I mean, (laughs) duh, right? And all you cat lovers, just get over it, okay? Yeah. Pastor Aaron don't like cats either. But anyway, but, but listen, there are polls out there constantly, and what it is is these polls and opinions are based upon our preference, our opinion, what we like, right? The problem with that is then we take those polls and opinions and we judge people and their performances by those polls, Right? We 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 we're judging you know is it better to live in the south or in the north is it better? trust me in the south I, I just left 32 degrees it's already snowed nine de- inches uh, I I'm, I pastor in Michigan outside Detroit but but listen the, the, we we judge people and we judge their performance by polls wow. now here's the problem we take that same attitude toward God. And we have a tendency of judging God according to what we're presently going through. Wow. When things are going great, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. When we're going through something horrible, God, where are you? Why did you leave me and forsake me? God, you don't love me. What did I do wrong? Why did you turn your back on me? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, come on. This is life, right? But we got to understand that God is good all of the time, and we can't judge him by what we presently are going through. Probably one of my absolute favorite characters in the Old Testament is a, is a guy named Joseph. Now, when Joseph was just a teenager, when he was 17 years old, God gave him a couple of visions about him, you know, being in authority, and even his parents and his brothers were all by on down to him. And as a result of sharing that vision, probably in his youthful zeal and ego and so forth, his brothers got ticked at him. You know, they got ticked, and they didn't like the idea of, you know, them having to bow down to baby brother. They end up selling him into slavery, okay, which is a horrific experience. You're sold into slavery. Now, if we were to take a poll at that time and go, is God being good to Joseph? We, we would probably have to say no. He's not being good to Joseph right now, right? Why? Because we're judging upon that present situation. But but God's favors on his life. He's elevated in the in the in the master's house. He's put in charge of everything. But then the master's wife, who was hot, because you know he's not going to be married to a dog. She, she the master. <laughs> sorry, the, the master. I'm just telling like it is. She, she is hot for Joseph and she wants him to go to bed with her, and in his integrity, he refuses. She she makes up a lie and claims that he rapes her. He's then thrown into prison for something he did not do. If I take a poll at that moment, I would, uh, you know, is God good to Joseph? I would dare say the majority of the poll would go, absolutely not. Who would want to serve a God like that? And Joseph is elevated in the prison, he then has the ability to interpret dreams. Remember, he interprets dreams, and the cupbearer is released, and 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 um, and. But he forgets to tell Pharaoh about it, and Joseph is forgotten and left in prison. If you take a survey, you go, man, God, you're not very good to Joseph. Is this how you treat your people? But we then come to the end of the story in Genesis chapter fifty. Joseph is now the second in command. He's elevated. And his brothers are standing before him and they recognize, oh my Lord, this is our baby brother we sold into slavery, and now he's the second most powerful man in the world. He's going to have our neck. And Joseph turns to his brothers, and I love what he said. He said this He said, You intended it for harm, but God intended it for good. See, God God, God had a plan for Joseph. It took him through slavery. It took him through prison. It took him through forgetfulness, being forgotten and forsaken and feeling all alone. But you know what? It was good. It was even good for Joseph because I propose to you that Joseph probably had some ego issues and some arrogance, and he needed to learn how to keep his mouth shut and know who he talks to and who he doesn't talk to, and he had to learn that, and the only way he was going to learn it is through slavery and through imprisonment. God knows where he wants to take you, and sometimes he has to put a little bit of bitter in there to get some really good chocolate, right? You can't have great hot fudge, uh, fudge, chocolate fudge without some cocoa, right? But he knows exactly how much bitter and how much sweet to put together in your life. Kind of reminds me, whenever I look over my own life, God has been so amazingly good to me. But I've had some really, really, really dark, dark times in my life. Dark, dark times. And one of the darkest times I remember was early in my marriage. My wife and I, we gave birth to our very first, firstborn. It was our daughter, Ashley, who's now 33 years old. And, uh, but she was born with a very rare disease called Hirschfung's disease. And as a result of that disease, the first three years of her life, she spent one-third of her life in prison, uh, in prison. It felt like prison. <laughs> It felt like prison. She spent a third of her life in the hospital. I was just seeing if you were listening. But, but she spent a third of her life in the hospital. She had nine major surgeries. Twice the doctor said she will not make it through the night. And I remember she was probably somewhere between 18 months, two years old, and we were going through the same scenario again because of her sickness and disease. She was, it was impossible for her to eat and drink. And So she was constantly being having to take to the hospital to, uh, because she was dehydrated, and once again, I could spell ketones on her breath, which means that she's now burning muscle because she's not eating enough. And we took her to the hospital, and, and um, anybody in the medical field will testify that this is true. Whenever you go into the hospital and the nurse tries to put an IV in your arm, she's only allowed to try three times. That's the max. If she's not successful, she has to get another nurse to come and try. And if they're not successful, you just keep on, keep on, and keep on. And I remember I went to the hospital, and I begged them. I said, listen, please get the best one in the hospital. Get the best one, because we we go through this every time. And it's hard to get a needle in a dehydrated baby's arm. And I begged them. They didn't listen to me. A nurse came in, and she poked my daughter three times. My daughter's screaming hysterically, blood-curdling screams as I'm holding her down. A second nurse came in, poked her three more times, still no success. And I'm holding my baby down this entire time, and and she's screaming blood-curdling screams. The third nurse comes in, tries a couple of more times. But during this whole process, I'm holding my little girl down, And she's looking up at me, and there's fear in her eyes and confusion on her face. And she's screaming, looking at her dad. And without saying it, I knew exactly what she was thinking. Why are you doing this to me? Why are you holding me here, allowing these strangers to come in here and torment me? Why are you doing this? But see, I knew something as her father that she did not know. I knew that if we did not get a needle in her arm, she was going to die. And I will tell you this morning, there's some of us, we're just like my daughter. We're looking up at God and we got fear in our eyes and we're so confused and we don't know why we're going through the hell that we're going through. And we're going, God, why are you doing this? But I'm telling you, God knows something you don't know. God is for you. This is not to destroy you. This is to make you. This is to save you this morning. And as I was on the plane on my way here, I heard Holy Spirit say to me, there's some of you, you might even have a child in that situation or you're going through an extremely dark time And you're going, God, where are you? Do you even like me? Are you angry with me? What's going on? If you're going through that at the end of the service, I'm going to be right over here in that corner. And I would love to pray with you. I believe that God, with the compassion that he showed me during that time, that same compassion is available to you. And I would love to be able to pray with you afterwards. But I'm telling you this morning, God is good. See, we've got to learn how to praise God, not for an expected end, but because we believe that he's truly good. James put it this way. He said to count it all joy. Sometimes you just got to count it that way. Sometimes, you know what? Let's be honest. Sometimes we're not feeling joy in the darkness, right? Sometimes we just got to consider it all joy when we're going through all these different temptations. Why? Because we know something that the world doesn't know. We know that the trying of our faith is actually working patience. And if we'll let patience have its work, we will become perfect and entire, wanting nothing. It's not to destroy us, it's to make us. Can somebody say amen? Amen. See, here's the good news. Here's what I do know. When we praise God, even in the midst of our darkness, something always happens. Why? Because God inhabits praises. And when God shows up, things change. Sometimes the circumstance changes. Sometimes the child changes, but something changes, right? Sometimes he says to the storm, peace be still. Sometimes he speaks to the child in the storm and says, peace be still. But when God arrives, things change. In fact, the psalmist said it this way, God inhabits the praises of Israel. He inhabits the praises. I want you to notice something. It doesn't say that he inhabits praises that are directed to him in a worship service. He inhabits all praise so that whenever I praise my coworker, you know what? God rides on the wave of that praise. Isn't that cool? Listen, if you're having problems with your teenage child, don't bash him and complain and and scream about it. Learn how to praise him. I find it sad that we know how to praise our babies, but we forget how to praise them when they become teenagers. I mean, seriously, think about it. Remember when your kid was learning how to walk, You know, and you'd hold him up, and mama would hold him up, and daddy would be over there, come on, baby, come on. And, and he's like, and he takes that first step, and you like, ah, and then he falls on his butt, and you go, you stupid kid, you're never gonna learn how to walk. You're gonna be on the crawl all your life. You didn't do that. You, you went, ah! and he got so excited. You was releasing God all over that baby. He's like, ah, how could I not walk? Put me on water, put me on water. Right? I mean, come on. We know how to praise babies, but we forget how to praise one another. Hello, hey, let me give you an assignment. Thursday, we're all getting together with family, whether we like it or not. It's called Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And all of us have an Uncle Tom. Dear Jesus, just in case. We have an Aunt Susie, right? That just irritates the snot out of us, and we want to just, yeah, yeah right. Listen, instead of butting heads with them and telling them you better get right or get left, you go better turn or burn, you know, whatever you do. Listen, try praising them. Praise? No way. Listen, try it. You might have to get creative. Tom, you did a really good time jo- tying your shoes today. I mean. Whatever it takes, but watch what will happen. I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about. Watch what will happen when instead of you begin to praise him. See, whenever you, you don't want to release the demonic in the relationship through complaining and belly aching and crying, right? That's Satan's language. Release praise, because in his praises, he inhabits that. See, so I like to put it this way. God inhabits all praise, especially the praise that's directed toward those in need. Wow. Release God in that. Let me close quickly. Here's what I want you to know. God is good. And God is good toward you because he desires to win your heart. Those of you who have been married, remember, go back to when you met your spouse, that first date? That first date, you always put your best foot forward, right? Right? Well, yeah, I mean, you, you show them your good side, right? Because why? You're trying to win their heart. You don't go on your first date and show them all of your junk. You're not, Let's just see if she'll put up with me. I'm... Let me give you some marriage counseling, okay? If you want to get married, stop doing that. That's the reason you're single. If you're doing that, stop it. You put your best foot forward. You show them your good side. Why? Because you're wanting to win their heart. God is good to you. Why? Because he's wanting to win your heart. Listen, but God only has one side. He doesn't have a bad side. He is good. I love, the way, I love the way the Passion Bible says it. Look at it. It says, do you realize that all, do you realize that all of the extravagant, kindness is meant to melt your heart and to lead you into repentance here's what i know when you taste for yourself just give jesus a try if you'll give jesus a try i guarantee it's gonna blow your brain you're gonna go oh my lord how could i not understand how good he was and when you realize how good he is you'll go there is nobody else i would rather serve than you you are good. There, there is no other God that compares to you. Amen? Every location, if you will, boy, bow your head, close your eyes. You're here. You're at Heights, St. Pete, Brandon. And you say, you know what, pastor? I've, I've never tasted to see for myself. I've gone by other people's opinions. I've, I've you know, I've thought about The way other people's talk about, I've never tasted for myself. But today, the Holy Spirit's working inside of you, and he's saying, listen, I brought you here today because I want you to understand that who you thought I was is not who I was at all. I'm not angry. I'm not mean. I'm not wanting to dangle you or throw you into hell. I died for you. I love you. I'm good to you. And you're here this morning, You say, Pastor, I want to embrace that loving Jesus. I need Jesus to forgive me. I need Jesus to remove my sin. He said, if we will ask, he will forgive us of all of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If that's you, I just want you to throw your hand up all over this building, all all the campuses. Throw your hand up and just wave at me real quick, real high, real high, all over this building, real high. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, God bless you. God bless you in the back. God bless you. All over All campuses, will you just repeat this prayer after me? Dear Jesus, real loud, everybody together. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I ask today that you forgive me. I ask that you cleanse me. I want to taste of you today. I believe you are good. Come into my life, not only as my Savior, but as my Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. All over the campuses, would you give Jesus a praise? God bless you. The greatest decision you've ever made, you just made right there. God bless you, Radiant. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.